Christ is an indestructible king. Ask King Herod. Have we considered that God always wins? What can this mean for us? Welcome, friend. This is episode 48 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. We're questing after the horizon that Jesus knows how life works best in the now, in all things, and the future not only is his, it's already showing up in the present. This is the final episode in our mini-series on Advent. The idea is that we can take the Christmas dynamics that we see in the Christmas narratives in Matthew and Luke right into every month, every week, every day, of the year. And I'm excited about a new mini series, a four part series, mainly during the month of January 2019. We're focusing on gratitude, the science behind gratitude, and blending gratitude with goal setting, spirit inspired goal setting for the new year. It's sort of a Brian and Friends approach. I have a different guest on each of those four episodes. We'll be discussing some ideas largely uh, sparked by Michael Hyatt's book, Your Best Year Ever. I think you're going to benefit from that. Looking forward to it. Herod, an Idumean, was appointed by Rome as the king of the Jews in Judea. And as long as the Romans were satisfied, he could remain in power. He has been called the evil genius of the Judean nation. He was a ruthless schemer. He had even murdered friends and relatives in addition to his enemies. In fact, by his orders, one of his 10 wives and two of his sons were killed. The nights were the worst for Herod. Flavius Josephus, a Jewish historian, wrote that Herod was ravaged by pain in his later life. Recently, though, it was not just the physical pain that was keeping him awake. The visiting Magi had not returned to report to Herod as agreed upon. He was in the grip now of his well-known paranoia and suspicion. The Magi were wise men from Persia in the east. They were experts, experts in astronomy, astrology, and natural science. Their knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures was most likely traced back all the way to Daniel, who was appointed a chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon during the Babylonian captivity. Now, tradition says there were three wise men because of the three gifts presented to Jesus, but there were likely more. And it was no small event when they arrived in Jerusalem after traveling for months. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Herod, hearing of their arrival, had gathered together, he pulled together the chief priests and the scribes, and he inquired where the expected Messiah was to be born. And then this was followed up by a secret meeting with the Magi. After finding out when the star first appeared to them, Herod sent them back to Bethlehem. His scheme was to have the Magi return to him when they had located the home of the child. He said, bring word to me that I may come and worship him also. But he had no intention of worshiping a new king. Our thoughts in this episode, as well as all the episodes in the Advent series, is taken from a book that I've written about Christmas possibilities 
and these kingdom dynamics seen in Matthew and Luke in the Christmas narratives. Massacre of the Innocents. Something in the heavens shifted that night. The Magi were divinely warned not to return to Herod. They secretly left Bethlehem, returning to their homeland by another way. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, warning him to take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt for a time. He quickly arose with Mary and Jesus and left Bethlehem. Herod had now been told the Magi had left. The torment in his darkened mind eclipsed the pain in his body. The atmosphere seemed thick with the powers of darkness. Enraged, he called for an assistant. No one could threaten his throne. The child must be eliminated. Men were dispatched to murder every male child in Bethlehem and the surrounding area, from two years old and under, according to the time the star first appeared to the Magi. The prophet Jeremiah's words would be fulfilled again, first realized in Israel's mourning in Babylonian captivity and now fulfilled in Herod's crazed attempt to murder the child king. The anguished voices of mothers and fathers could be heard on the outskirts of Jerusalem. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The dragon is crushed. God is a winner in every situation. Nothing frustrates his counsel. Consider with me that immediately after the fall of humanity, a redemptive promise was set in motion. A seed would come into the earth through the woman crushing the head of the deceiver. The serpent heard the creator say, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will bruise you on the head. The promised seed, the Messiah, would come into the earth through a woman. In the last book of the New Testament, John, a disciple of Jesus, wrote that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Late in life, he had been banished by the Romans to the island of Patmos, a barren, rocky island in the Aegean Sea off the coast of Asia Minor. The island was used as a Roman penal colony, and John was sent there as an old man because of his proclamation of Scripture and his testimony of Jesus. The ascended Jesus came to the island to give John a revelation, showing him something of the past, present, and future. The coming of Jesus Christ into the earth was an existential threat to Satan and his kingdom. John solved the attempt to kill the seed, the Messiah. From Revelation 12, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars, and she was with child. And she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2. We believe that this woman pictured in Revelation 12 is a composite view of God's people through time. She is the nation of Israel, through whom the messianic line came. In the new covenant, she is the church releasing Christ's continuous presence and ministry into the world. And she is Mary, through whom Christ came into the world. Verse 4 of Revelation 12 says, The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Throughout the Old Testament, the dragon, Satan, was always seeking to corrupt or eliminate the messianic line at any cost. Christ could not come into the earth. After Mary gave birth to Jesus, Herod, saturated in demonic power, sought to kill the Christ child. Even today, Satan does what he can to obstruct and diminish Christ's work in the earth. Yet to come, there will be an Antichrist, vainly seeking to abort God's plan. 
My friend, if you are a child of God through Christ, you cannot be defeated. You simply cannot be defeated as long as you remain consistent and faithful to the Lord. As we are obedient to the word and keep in step with the spirit, we are always led in the triumph of Christ. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. The DNA of Christ and his kingdom simply, simply cannot lose. Revelation 12, verse 5, and also verses 7 to 9. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough. There was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. You see, the dragon and his angels are not strong enough. There is no longer a place for them in heaven. They have no authentic standing. Whatever authority Satan was given has been stripped from him by Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. You see, my friend, in Christ, we overcome. We win by the blood of the lamb. We win by the word of our testimony. And we win by not loving our own lives, even if it means facing death. The serpent of old, Satan, cannot stop the potential of Christmas in your life every day of the year. For the potential of Christmas is the potential of Christ. Hey there, friend. Just wanted to pull away from our theme for just a moment. We'll get right back to it shortly. You can go to the show notes page for this episode on JesusSmart.com. There you can sign up to receive a free weekly email for next level ideas and practice to advance as a Christ follower. At best, I consider myself to be some intermediate level of a Christ follower, but I invite you on a journey with me as we advance together. With that newsletter, you'll be able to stay in touch with new episodes and other resources that are on the way. Also, a reminder that our content in the, in these episodes in the Christmas series is taken from an ebook which I'm re-releasing. You can find out more information about that at jesussmart.com. And now let's get back to our theme. Herod's ugly demise. Herod died in Jericho after a 37-year reign. His illness at the end, sometimes called Herod's evil, was excruciatingly painful and obvious to all. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote that Herod, ever preoccupied with himself and his ambitions, gave orders that a group of distinguished men should come to Jericho and forcibly placed in the Hippodrome. Soldiers were to shoot them with darts at the time of the death of Herod to ensure that there would be grieving throughout Judea when he died. He knew the Jews would not mourn his own death. Fortunately, his sister Salome and her husband Alexis, who were charged with overseeing this edict, did not follow through after Herod died. Herod was clearly under the influence of Satan. He is a picture of Satan's blinding pride, selfish ambition, and evil schemings. 
He is also a clear picture of Satan's ugly decline and demise. Let me say that again. Herod is a personification, a picture of Satan's ugly decline, diseased decline and demise. Isaiah spoke of a time soon to come concerning Satan. From Isaiah 14, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities and did not open the house of his prisoners? Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Luke 10. The Child King No Longer in a Manger When John received the revelation of Jesus Christ on the island of Patmos, he saw and experienced the Son of Man as the ascended Christ. Consider what he saw in the first chapter of the revelation of Jesus Christ, verses 12 to 16. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I, John, saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. This, my friend, this, my friend, is not the baby Jesus in the manger that John now sees. Our understanding of Christ must go beyond the earthly perspective. The New Testament, frankly, is an unfolding, progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. He is now the cosmic Christ, preeminent over all things. Consider these statements about the preeminence of Christ over all. They're drawn from the letters to the Ephesians and the Colossians in the New Testament. Just to affirm these statements releases power and potential in our lives, and it helps to re-script and renew our minds. Here we go. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named in this age and in the age to come. All things have been placed under his feet. He is head of the body, the church. He has been given as head over all things to the church. He will come to have first place in everything. My friend, our playing small does not serve us well. It's not our highest life. Even more, it does not serve those around us and the world at large. As we widen our perspective, appreciating the advance of Advent, we rise to a new level of living and life influence. Life Reflection The incarnation of Jesus Christ was heaven's invasion into a lost world. It's the advance of Advent. Number one, have you ever considered that God always wins? What can that mean for you? What can it mean for that situation, that challenge, 
or even that opportunity, that promise that's before you. Number two, consider how can you apply Revelation 12, 11 to your life? And they overcame him, Satan, the accuser, because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Number three, Advent is advancing in history. Is it advancing in your life, in your personal world, in your circle of concern, your sphere of influence? And now, would you join me in a prayer and affirmation? My friend, the first Advent was a bad day for the adversary, and it's only getting worse as time goes on. Pray with me and affirm with me. Father, I thank you for sending your son. The head of the dragon has been crushed. Satan is under our feet. I praise you that Advent is advancing. It is advancing in history and it's advancing in my life. Be strong in me, Jesus. Be strong through me. It's Advent every day of the year for me and for all that concerns me. May all glory be to Jesus who is victorious over all. Amen. Thanks, friend, for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. It's also on Spotify, Overcast, and YouTube. When you do this, it helps others to discover the content, and it keeps you connected, too. And that's all good. Would you consider grabbing a screenshot of this episode and pushing it out on your social media, sharing it with your friends and contacts? Or you can just share it directly from your favorite listening app. Visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. You can leave thoughts and questions there. There's a contact page. And you will find there additional resources to dive deeper with this theme. Listen, on the show notes page, I'm going to have some resources which actually give more brutal, grotesque detail into the demise, the disease, and the death of Herod. Why do we take time to show that in graphic detail? Because it's a clear picture of the disease decline of Satan, his ultimate destruction. Plus, when you're on the show notes page, in addition to all of that about King Herod, you can sign up to receive a free weekly email for next level ideas and practice to help us all advance as Christ followers, as apprentices of his kingdom and finding our place, finding our unique spot in the big story. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is filled with light. It's brilliant. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time.